0: Hello, Film Files. Welcome back. It's Tuesday. It's the top of the hour. It's time for some film discussion. You might sense the enthusiastic tone in my voice. It's because it's, uh, it's my film this week.
1: I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden.
0: And this week, we're chopping up Death Proof from 2007. This is a movie show theater.
2: In a world where movies are everywhere, these heroes will make sense of some of the world's strongest films. Jimmy, Ben, and Stuart. This is Movie Show Theater.
0: So real quick here before we begin, this is 90.7 W-A-Z-U. It's Tuesday. Wazoo! It's 9 p.m. And uh, I wanted to announce real quick, we're going to do our first formal local event in Peoria. We're going to do a double feature movie event on June 13th at the Apollo Theater. We're going to do Night of the Living Dead. And we're going to be doing Westworld from 1973, which is a fantastic...
2: Ewell Brenner.
0: Ewell Brenner. Wonderful, retro, western, sci-fi, post-apocalyptic. It could fit into, like, five different categories. Tickets will be available within the next two weeks. Watch out on the Movie Show Theater Facebook page and the 90.7 WAZU Facebook page, as long... As well as the movie show theater blah blah blah, so tonight, death proof last week, I suggested either Pulp fiction, Jackie Brown or Death proof, and we kind of all agreed on death proof. I've seen this movie probably twelve times. I watched it again today. Stuart, what did you think of that of uh, death proof?
2: Uh, well no uh, it, it's not. Horrid film, not by a long shot. Um, I will say this though, as part of this this do- double feature that Tarantino and Rodriguez put out, uh, the Grindhouse double feature, I thought it was the weaker of the two films. I I enjoyed Planet Terror more. I'll be honest, I'm a zombie film kind of guy, and it's more of a zombie film, and and Death Proof just seemed. Well, I, let's be honest, anybody who knows anything about 1970s bad films knows that this is just absolutely modeled after the exploitation or the sex exploitation films of that time. And and while it had some pretty great car chases and some really graphic scenes, for the most part I just died. I just I can't get behind it. I mean, I, I'm sorry, Jimmy, I just died. Just didn't like it.
0: And that's okay. That's your prerogative. Yeah, of course. Ben, how much did you love it on a scale of I love it a lot to I love it absolutely the most? Do you know what I heard
1: in my mind throughout most of the film?
2: Mm. Yeah. That's a test pattern, by flat, the way.
1: That, to me, is actually a flat oh, line. Oh, flat line. Oh, yeah, yeah. Flat line. yeah. Uh flat I, I can understand. I saw what Tarantino was trying to do here that he was trying to be a, a throwback to muscle car, exploitation films. But to me, I I didn't even remember the characters' names, why they were doing what they were doing. I mean, the, the characters aren't necessarily horribly important in the films, but he was trying to make it be character-driven because most of the film was dialogue. It takes 45 minutes for the first actual piece of action to happen. And I t- I was just, by that point, I didn't care because I truthfully found almost every single character except stuntman mike
2: really annoying i don't know i thought the conversation that the ladies had at the beginning was kind of funny because it's it's a well it's a it's a snapshot into three relatively attractive young women's lives talking about hookups and and dudes and and smoking weed and and everything else that you know is so edgy at that time or or supposedly at that time and and it was it was a, entertaining to but watch they had them cell do phones, that but they? they did they had did. Se- but they were they were 2007 style cell phones i mean there wasn't you know i mean it's not like today you can't access the internet or anything but but anyway it was one of those things where i was watching it and i was th- thinking to myself this is a interesting conversation but it could be you know three Puppets having the conversation or, you know, three dudes having the same conversation or, or whatever. And and it, this is a Tarantino thing where he gets people into these really intricate, really in-depth conversations and then doesn't seem to know where to go. He's using this as the setup for this, this you know, stuntman Mike to, to basically off these chicks. But the setup is so long. I mean, if he could have fit three groups of these these girls in, and and sped things up just a little bit, and and gotten through two of them before you you land on the final trio that ends up doing in stunt stuntman Mike. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. But I don't know. It just it just struck me as as. Ugh, it died
1: Ugh. hes uh, he has called it his worst film he didn't yeah. say he didn't say overall it was a terrible film he said it's his worst his film. worst yeah. film, right in 2012. which i
0: I know that both of you and and ben, you mentioned this to me last night uh is that a lot of people will that are defending this movie will use the lame excuse, oh, you don't get it. You both get it. I think most people that watch this movie get it. It's it's obviously it's not just a tribute. It's not just a throwback. When I first watched this movie when it came out, the thing that drove me crazy is that when at the, the very the very last set of characters when they're playing ship's mast, they could yeah. slow down at any point. This car, you know, they they make a point when Mike he speeds out several times. And uh, they could slow down, they could stop, and, and she could get off. That would be the end. She could get in the car, right. But, and and this kind of comes with a preface, too, is that, you know, this movie is not necessarily a tribute or an homage or a throwback, but it is a grindhouse film. These films that were, like, poorly written, poorly edited, poorly
1: filmed, Except poorly planned. Except millions and millions of dollars in the budget. <laughs> Yeah, this well, one. that's, this that's one. why. This that's one. why for me it's it's difficult to say it is truly a Grindhouse film because there. I mean, I I couldn't get my hands on the the budget for just Death Proof, but I think the combined budget for Planet Terror and Death Proof was about seventy million dollars. Yeah,
2: it, I mean, it was a lot of money to make it look old and crappy. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of money that they threw into this to make it look. Now, and I'm not saying I don't appreciate the aesthetic because I'm, when I'm sitting there and I'm watching the opening and, and the, the the music at the beginning, very 70s, the little, the little tiger or the, the panther or whatever it was that morphs into the, the, the logo. And, and I thought all of that was really well done and really cool and it drew me in and I thought, wow, this is really interesting at that moment because it kind of took me back to being a little kid in the movie theater. But having said that, I didn't watch any of these when I was a little kid. I just, you know, these sort of films were—I—they were well outside of my wheelhouse when I was a little kid. And and quite frankly, um, when I go back and I and I if I look at any of these films at this point, they're so—the production value was so poorly done, and it, it's. You'd have to be really wasted to even spend a little time to watch it. Now, with this particular one, I will say this. The, the the production value was a little better. The story was a little better. It was forced, you know, forced as far as the scratchy film and the jumping and everything. And that that didn't take away from the film. It actually added to the interesting portions of the film. But again, it... it The characters are very, very one-sided, which they're supposed to be. I get it. No depth whatsoever. Not supposed to be these really intricate characters. It's a slasher film. It is a pure gore film, or supposed to be. And and, in true Tarantino style, the first group of girls that that come across the car at speed, one of their legs is completely... Torn off, and it just rolls down the road in one of four takes. It, in one of four takes, I mean, it's just and, and the only
1: part of the movie that I actually liked. Really,
2: it was fascinating. I mean, the, I mean that the, was set up the, really it slowed well. Slowed it down, and it you saw what happened to each individual girl at that point, and you're it. It is like watching a train wreck at that point. You couldn't turn away, because it was so graphic and gory and awful, and. Oh,
1: Ugh. Ugh. Well, so, here's here's the thing I was going to say, too, because I saw it labeled as a slasher film after the fact. Like I watched the movie first, then watched the trailer, which is really, really misleading. And then saw it described as a slasher film. And I think to myself, well, it has the elements there. You know, you have stuntman Mike, who's kind of this washed up, well, stuntman. And he's way past his prime and he's preying on women. And it's almost like a, a sexual release when he. Kills them with this car, but then you know most of the movie is these one-dimensional characters sitting around and talking. So it, it's like it's. I understand once again the aesthetic, but it was hard for me to pinpoint what I should even
2: label this movie as. It's hard for you to care about the girls in any way, shape, or form. And let's be frank, stuntman Mike himself ends up being this kind of. He's he's kind of this this paper tiger character as long as he's in control it's all good but at the end he's crying he's weeping well these girls are just beating him down and and i'm thinking to myself dude you've taken these hard hits your entire life and you're letting these three beat you down now granted they had the upper hand and granted it it, it he had no st- chance at that point because he was truly beaten down but he could have at least taken it like a man but he's like no no well it's kind of a
0: it's kind of an archetype that's been played out since *A Christmas Story*, when Scott Farkas gets beaten down and Ralphie finally gets on top of him, and immediately he starts crying and weeping, and like this is so it's the like wounded, what the wounded bully
2: syndrome. Is that what yeah? You think oh it
0: yeah, is? that's a huge part of it. And I think that Tarantino is an egomaniac. He's obsessed with himself, and you know this whole film is just riddled with. You know, not just pop culture references, but references to other films of his. So, I mean, yes, he's got a uh, superiority complex for sure, but...
2: And a foot fetish.
0: And a foot fetish. Oh, there's a geez, lot, yeah, there's a lot of feet
2: in this movie. And I'm not saying I, I'm against feet necessarily, but there are just a lot of feet in There's
0: this. a lot of feet. And if you've never seen a lot of the films, and, you know, uh, Kurt Russell is not being portrayed as like a cult status in this movie but there's a scene where the snake pliskin outfit is in a shadow box in a bar and there's a scene where he agrees to give pam a ride home and pam gets in the car and he looks right at the camera and he winks so i have this soundtrack on vinyl and and this movie is driven
1: by the soundtrack that's and the I, whole movie in a and, nutshell and that what's that i think quentin tarantino spent so much time winking he had his eyes closed uh, there, there's one thing that I came across, I was trying to look at, uh, and see if there was a link between Battlefield Earth and uh, Death Proof. There actually is, no, 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 no. Jungle, no. J- Jungle Julia has a Battlefield Earth poster <coughs> in her room. No.
2: Yeah. She does
1: not. Yeah, it's on IMDb.
2: Oh. You were going somewhere with your soundtrack thing. Where yeah, were you Yeah, no,
0: so the soundtrack drives the movie, and, you know, there's... That happens
2: a lot was, in Tarantino's films. So.
0: It does. And and it follows the, you know, the the shots usually it's like a trunk scene where the camera's in the trunk, the trunk opens and this one it's in the engine surprisingly. Blah blah blah. True. The engine opens up blah blah blah. So Planet Terror, I guess, if we 're going to follow you know and, and put these in a package deal, Planet Terror was fun entirely on its own regard. These were both movies that were just kind of fun whatever we we have an idea let 's just do these movies because I think it'll be fun to make these movies so i 'm sitting there today and i 'm watching this movie again, and i 'm trying to dissect and analyze what it what exactly it is about this movie that I love so much because I talked to Ben last night and he reiterated what he disliked about it. And I it just made me want to watch it more. I watched it this afternoon and it's like, God, this movie. Next to Kill Bills and Pulp Fiction, it is, I think, the funnest Tarantino film to watch, without a doubt. And he kind of creates this feminine world that is not realistic. This is not how the the average female speaks when, you know, when a female has to pee, she doesn't take her two fingers and, like, stick them up in her crotch and walk and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's kind of—he's creating his own I've, fantasy world here.
2: Maybe a little bit, but that goes back to that, that that throwback to the sexploitation of the 70s sort of thing where everything is overdone. Everything is blown out of proportion. Oh, absolutely. No, I, it's no, a cautionary you're not, tale. It is not a cautionary tale. It's pure physical sexual— it's just showing beautiful bodies and positions that and and situations that men want them in. That's all it is. I don't think there's anything deeper than that. I really don't. There's no. Well, there's these really
1: strong feminine characters. They're feminine, but they're not feminist.
2: No, I think
1: there's a difference.
2: There, all of these. He always has strong feminine characters in his films. Always has strong feminine characters. I mean, The Bride in Kill Bill, in in Sin City, you have the the leader of the the hookers in in Old Town, strong feminine character. In Jessica. Old Town. In Old Town in Sin City. Oh yeah, well that's
0: not Tarantino. Rodriguez,
2: but it's Rodriguez and Tarantino.
0: No, that's just Rodriguez. No,
2: it's not. Rodriguez Tarantino did it. one scene. Oh, but, but you know, it he, he just soaked in Tarantino. Rodriguez kind directed of, it though. Oh. That, but we gotta. Right. Okay. Did. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. But the bride, and then, in, you know, and in, uh, in uh, uh, Pulp Fiction, you have uh, Mia's character, strong character. Yeah, messed up in the head, but a strong character. Um, again, he just portrays women. In very strong role, and except in Pam. Planet Terror, <laughs> yeah,
0: Pam. Except, okay, Pam's uh, exception, poor though. Pam.
2: Poor okay. Pam. Well, Pam she's not and bad. then
1: Lee, she's not bad. And okay. the cheerleading outfit. Yeah, she. Well, she was just kind of there. She wasn't necessarily. I mean, she was ditzy, but
2: Pam got drawn in to the death seat. She couldn't help it. And that. her
1: friends did basically like
0: abandon her and and insinuated really rape, her, they which was horrible. Really her
2: friends, though, at
0: no,
1: that point. No, I mean,
2: they She was just there at the bar. They weren't. No, uh, we're talking about
1: Lee, who's in the second half in the cheerleader. Yeah, right. Yeah, Pam was at the bar.
2: Pam was at the bar. That was Rose McGowan's character.
0: Yeah, and they they hated Pam, and we were ready for her to go anyway. Yeah,
2: well, yeah. But but again, he really portrays these really strong feminine characters. And in this, it's all about the strong feminine characters. But they are not, as Ben rightly said, they are not for women's liberation or they're not feminist characters. They are strong women women no doubt about it on the opposite side they get victimized by the worst type of man ever
0: right look how males are portrayed in this film and Pam and the last one of them right and Pam and Lee I would not call strong female roles I mean I think those were like the weakest female roles in the film but I think just the the nature of the film and and every single male in the film is portrayed as kind of an antagonist.
2: And oh, I think, they're, well, it's 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 women against men all the way. Yeah, and I mean Very it's, it's a varying
0: level of of feminine versus feminist. But I mean every Tarantino film, in in some regard, is a revenge
1: film. A and lot of it, yeah. Yeah, no, pretty much right. every man is a slimeball. If you go down the mentalist, let's see. Well, obviously, stuntman Mike. You don't really have to say much about that. Warren the bartender. I mean, uh, actually, Warren the bartender might be the okay. least insufferable. He's just like yeah, a guy there. he's just serving, a drinks, guy serving drinks, serving drinks to people. No, and then was there okay. was there were the guys. Uh, I don't know if it was implied that they were spiking drinks or at least trying to get the women drunk and drag them away at the that, bar. No. The the mechanic guy was obviously a sleaze ball. Um,
2: the whole setup with the with butterfly. All right. The the whole setup with that, you know, where you in order you, <laughs> that's just setting somebody up for to be exploited. And, and it was meant to be a gag. It was meant to be funny. It was meant to be blah, blah, blah. But look what ends up happening. It was a creepy stuntman Mike who takes her up on this and she does it. Yeah, but not because he talked her into it. No, no, I mean, no. well, I kind of think did. that's and He kind of talked her into he it. Really he really did.
1: did. Because he pulled out his bruised angel, and like now the you're going speech. in my book.
2: The bruised angel speech. Yeah. but I think I think that stuntman Mike, for all his deplorable attributes, really pulled off a coup on that one. Mm-hmm. Because she was not going to do it for anybody, and lo and behold, the one guy that her jungle what was her name Jungle, jungle Julia. Julia. Jungle Julia said shouldn't do it for she did it for. Well,
1: Mm -hmm. here's the thing about Stuntman Mike, too. Even though he's obviously the most deplorable character, in turn, he's the character with the most depth, so he wants to get to know a little bit about maybe what makes him tick. I mean, it's obviously an exploitation film in its own right, Death Proof is, and they're not going to go into some long exposition, but I was kind of curious as to what makes him tick because he's the one who has all the screws loose and... Uh, you know, he was talking about the stunts that he had done. You know, he talked about, you know, falling off the horse and so, he the doesn't Virginian. drink. Like that was uh, the way he was set up, I think, was done well to me. Th- it was just the the payoff that frustrated me or the lack thereof. You know, like it was cool how they ended that first segment. But they like Stu said, they could have gotten to it much more quickly. It was 40, 40 minutes
2: into the film before they finally got off. Yeah. And, and 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 again, Tarantino rehashes some of the old characters like the sheriff and his son at the hospital, son and, number one, son number one, which I was love a that.
0: great scene. No, right? no, I, yeah. I
2: love that. I love that sort of thing because it create creates kind of a continuity between his films, and it and you know you're watching a Quentin Tarantino film at that point. I get it, but again, it, you, don't, you you're watching that, and and then it jumps right into this new group group of girls after that, and you're thinking to yourself. I thought to myself. Is this going to be another forty-five minutes before we finally get any sort of payoff? And and he's there, and he's more obvious about the watching, and he brushes up against her feet, even tickles her once. You know, uh, Rosario Dawson's character tickles the bottom of her foot, and and again, no, that wasn't Rosario Dawson. Yeah, it was. Yeah, was that, that was okay? Her. Okay, but again, it, it it was it was this slow build up, and. Again, the payoff was the ending was so abrupt. It was so abrupt. Which I, I like. What part I, of the ending? I understood you mean?
1: that part though. I understood the abrupt ending because they're beating him, and then it's just like the end. But to me, that's true to the, the true to the house, genre. Maybe yeah. the Grindhouse. You know. Oh yeah. Um, couldn't have been pastiche. more accurate.
2: Yeah. I don't know. It again. It it comes down to it comes down to for me. There could have been more payoff. The, the chase scenes were very well done, don't get me wrong, but we we kind of t- touched on this at one point where if they really wanted this to have ended safely, they could have stopped that car at any point. She could have gotten down from the car at any point when she's riding on the, on the hood of that car. She could have, and, and that was funny too, that Zoe was playing herself. As a stunt woman, she obviously has done this sort of thing quite a bit. But in the movie, she doesn't even have a character. She is herself. And so and and that's fine, whatever. But uh, but she's doing something she would have done anyway. And then if you're in this situation and some psycho in another car comes up and tries to run you off the road, your first instinct, most people's first instinct is not to continue going. You stop the car. You get out of the car.
1: See, I you disagree. You call the
2: police Well see, that well, I, I, I mean, think that the whole fight or like, flight method. Well, I, here's
1: the thing. It's like in a horror movie. Uh, obviously, the dumb kids are going to go into the woods, so it's the same thing. That's that's kind of the, how I applied it. It's just like, well, they either go into the woods, and there's this cool kill, or they just leave, and the killer just looms a little bit longer.
2: Okay, I get that a little bit. I get that a little bit, but I would get it more if they were less intelligent. These women were not dumb. These women were not dumb by a long shot. They're thrill seekers, but they're not dumb. They might have a small death wish, but again, they're not dumb. Starring Charles Bronson. If they, if they, truly, were, if they truly showed any ignorance at all, I could get where, where they would, kept, would have kept going. If they truly showed anything where it would have made like, oh, that makes perfect sense because she's just – she's wounded or she's got some sort of death wish or whatever it is. She's going to get revenge on this guy for something. But we don't know anything about them other than the one-dimensional portrayal that we've seen. And so therefore, based on just pure human instinct, they're going to stop the
0: car. It makes sense to me, because that's always what I had a problem with, too. And so this kind of gives it kind of a cop-out. But, you know, this film, the dialogue and and some of the props in this movie make it clear that this takes place in modern time. But these movies that were, you know, they would spit these Grindhouse movies out, you know, five or six a week, and so they weren't very well edited. They were paper-thin plots. So something like this would have not you know, been very well thought out. So there's that, which also gives it kind of a cop out because that's just kind of like, well, you can just spit out whatever trash you can and just call it Grindhouse. Right. But I think what makes it Grindhouse is the, uh, what's her name? Arlene, the dark haired girl with mm-hmm. the awesome Boston accent or New oh, Jersey yeah. accent. Oh yeah,
2: New Jersey accent. Yeah, yeah.
0: She's texting on her phone and it's uh, um, Baby It's You, mm-hmm. the song. And it goes into this ridiculous love ballad that is just, like, so noticeably cheesy, like, off-the-wall cheesy. But believable in the time, like, that would have made sense for, like, you know, the song is is over-the-top, it's out-of-place... But it's probably cheap because it's so cheesy. So, so oh, yeah. we'll just do that.
2: Oh yeah, they'll throw it in there. Yeah, because they don't have to pay anything for it, or 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 the the artist is dead, or quote unquote. You know, if there was a true Grindhouse.
1: Right. Exactly. Well, here's the yeah. thing that gets me about that though. Um, I wouldn't think a Grindhouse film would, like, I, I mean, the original cut didn't clock in. I don't think at at this running time, but you know, the cut that we watched was almost two hours. So, I don't know. It's it's really interesting because there's a lot of films that we've all agreed
0: on. There's been a fair amount that we've disagreed on. And, you know, there's nothing that, like, I picked up on that you wouldn't have picked up on. We're both, you know, we're all on the same page here. It's the freaking dialogue that I love. Like, some of these lines... That's what I hated. See? And that's so interesting because when she goes out, when Arlene goes out... um when they're at the uh, second place with the boys wh- right. at Warren's right, place. Right,
2: right, right, And
0: so she grabs her smokes, and the camera is framed up totally symmetrical so that Arlene is in the middle, you know, spaghetti western style. And she, like, throws the door open, which is like the classic Tarantino. I hate to say it, but it's it, it was is. in Pulp Fiction. It was in Jackie Brown. It was in Kill Bill when Uma Thurman, you know, throws open the doors at the uh, blue leaf, whatever it was, and it's all snow. Um, Arlene throws open the door and it's just pouring down rain and it is so atmospheric and it's so like, oh man, it's just, it's encapsulating. So she walks out and then, you know, what's his name comes out and they have their whole make out
2: negotiation. Some of that, like, no, that's very amusing. No, it, that, it's great. It's no, so it's, it's thought really, out. Okay. It, I want to make out. Right. I mean, what it, man it,
1: says that? Well, no man in real in Tarantino land. We're not talking it, about no, real I know, life. we're not That's talking why, about real
2: life. I know, yeah. but
1: even in an exploitation film, I've seen many of them. And how many grindhouse films that are supposed to be hardcore explota- exploitation films? Is a dude going to say, "Hey, baby, I want to make out"? So and- many, so many of them. <laughs> so you, many. Did the you 70s. see what I did there with? Make, make Out, out because yeah. Make Out would be replaced by Coffee. something else I can't say right now. Coffee <laughs> exactly. and
0: Friday Forrester are the first two that pop out in my mind that have dialogue from males that is like, <laughs> you watch it in 2015, and you're like, no way would any male say that. But you're not watching it uh, from a movie that came out in 2015. You're right. watching it from a culture that was something that we can't
1: understand. But this was set in 2007, though. Well, okay, well sure. Okay, filmed as though it was
2: 1975 and set in 2007-ish, Yes. But, no, I, I get I get where you're going with the dialogue. I do. And, I, I, and I'm not saying that it wasn't engaging at certain points. It didn't move fast enough. It yeah. didn't push the plot along fast enough. It did not give you enough character development to really have you appreciate some of the characters that were in this, to, to even care about them that much. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, again, if you're going to have these long rambling discussions among your characters make them actually mean something. And, and I really felt in this, it was just a setup to get them into a position where Mike could have run them down. You know, and that's yeah. it. That's the only purpose for anything that happens up to that point. Well and I were... mean, there's a hint at 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 you know Daddy's kind of a perv that he has this lake house that he likes going out and staring at the girls in bikinis and he'll do anything for the girls in bikinis. So we get a little sense of what her father is like. We get a hint about J- jungle Julia being kind of a wild child. We get a hint about Butterfly being kind of well, I don't even know what she is. Mm-hmm. But these are all just hints. There's nothing At that point, that even points to a character, which I would say, no, I felt bad when her leg was torn off and her face was smashed in.
1: Well, one thing I'll say too is, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we went over four rooms. I think what four rooms did very well is, you know, they, the different directors of. That film, you know, because it was split in four segments, introduced you to these off the wall characters, but they didn't drag things out. It's just like, okay, this has run its course, and sometimes you're left wanting a little bit more after you've watched the segments. I think with uh, Death Proof, the problem is that you get too much of the dialogue and sitting around. Like, if they had, you know, cut some of the dialogue down and, you know, made it a film that was actually what you said, Jimmy, like 73 minutes, then we might be talking about a much better film, like just speed up
2: the dialogue, cut some of it out, make it more pertinent. We would be talking about a film that was more succinct, at least. I don't know about much better, but it was definitely, it it, it would definitely have been easier to watch overall.
0: So this is Movie Show Theater. It's Tuesday night. This is WAZU 90.7. Tonight we're talking about uh, Death Proof from 2007 Tarantino's part in a two-part double feature that came out. And uh, this was the second one. So it sounds like, and I can totally appreciate this, is that I think Tarantino got so wrapped up in his own universe with like that one character whose ringtone was the ringtone from Kill yeah, Bill. Dun, Dun, Dun. Like, oh, yeah, Rosario Dawson's character. yeah, I get it. That was and in then, your other movie.
1: One um, of the magazine covers. Uh, Allure. One of the magazine covers was a character. But yeah, that that
0: whole magazine rack, it was like black ebony, you know, black etiquette. And it was, you know, all these other references to all other Tarantino movies. And I mean, I'm not a diehard Kurt Russell fan. I've seen all of the classics that, you know, that he's done or whatever. And there's, uh, you know, we, we don't have to mention all of the references in this movie to other Tarantino movies because that's not that interesting to me. But I guess as far as dialogue goes, um, what stands out in my mind is the first bar they go to when they're explaining to Arlene the uh, Robert Frost speech that somebody can give her. And that one uh, beautiful mixed girl comes up with that shirt that says –
2: Oh, yeah. What is her name in that? Because she was probably one of the most fascinating – she 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 was an actress who was pretending to be somebody else.
0: Marcy, it was Marcy. La Ultimo Budiscaro. I wanted to see uh, more of her. She was know. like
2: she, she had just that one bit part, and I'm I know. thinking to myself, oh, let's add her in because she's even visually more interesting than most of the other women in
0: this. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think that if they had stuntman Mike, and I don't know, I I, I didn't see this movie build anywhere as a slasher. Um,
1: I saw it described as one, but it doesn't really say it in, you know, the, the trailer. No. Which if I don't I would understand have how that it, got picked up.
0: Yeah. If I would have watched it build as a slasher, I would have hated it because it's definitely not a slasher. No, in, in, no, in no, any. no, no, no. But the thing that I find really interesting is that, you know, this is a man who has a very obvious fetish and there's a scene after the first accident, um, where supposedly he's masturbating, uh. After he's been rolled over, but it's it's revealed later that he's that this is kind of his thing, so that was unnecessary, so they cut that out. But, right. So you kind of understand this, you know, idea that when he does one hit, like every impact that he has is the end of a car. So like, you have a night of build up and you do your research and then you have your actual climax and then that's the end of a car and you're going to be in a hospital for 14 months.
2: Or that was after yeah. the first one. Right.
0: So um. The other thing that stands out in my mind is after they do the four takes of the first group of girls and they have the great hospital scene. Oh yeah. Uh, with Michael Parks and his son in yeah. real life and they both have their son, hands on their hips one. and oh, yeah. you know of course yeah. they were both in from Dust Till Dawn and Pulp Fiction and blah Absolutely, blah blah. Yep. Tarantino just loves his own self. And then they like very gradually fade to black and white and then they introduce this car, you know, this new car. And um, it kind of looks like this real 35 millimeter, real gritty, real grainy um, student independent film. And then Rosario Dawson is, is is on the hood, and it's framed perfectly, again, like an old spaghetti western. And then it just, like, cuts to color. And I feel like the reveal of that, like, using that technique makes it so much more effective than if they had just started the scene and the car pulls up. And once again, that's another, like you know, kind of geeky, independent film, you know, uh, tactic from Tarantino. But in my mind, it's so incredibly effective. And the little character traits, she buys the allure, and the guy offers her the Italian Cosmo
1: from next month Right behind the counter. Right, All right, these right.
0: little details that have nothing to do with the plot.
1: None. But, well, there's not really a plot. Well, not much of there really. is a plot. Yeah, I mean, there's a plot, I mean, yeah, But, I mean, a plot, but, but yeah. see, here's the thing, and this might be an out-there opinion... I would have appreciated it if it was um, more of an incomprehensible mess and plotless if they had maybe put a little bit more action into it because I found the characters annoying, but it's not like I hated them or wanted to die like I did during Blair Witch. Um, Because it's like, you know, these people people are... Battlefield. Some of the things they say are interesting, and that's good, but I was waiting for it to be more along the lines of all these B-movies that I have seen from any era where there's, like, that one cool thing that happens that sticks out because that's what they're going for. Like, their budget yeah. allows them to do the one cool thing, and then I don't think this really delivered that one cool thing.
2: I, you know, okay. I would agree, with Ben, as far as it didn't deliver the one cool thing. Just We're going to we like talk that. about how
1: awesome the splicing was
2: oh, the, and okay. how
0: noticeably edited and how
2: right. beautifully crafted the whole film was. It was obviously done with scotch tape. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, scotch tape and hair. Yeah, you know, and they physically
0: scratched the film, which I think is cool. Right.
2: No, the, it wasn't
0: it, digitally. Well, scratched. Here, no.
1: here's my thing. Why didn't they just do it like they did when they made these movies? It's like they almost just used the spent more time making, making it look it, genuine than actually using the genuine techniques. Well, they but spent they less than fifty million for both of these films, which is pretty impressive. They
2: probably not able to find the the equipment. To no, do the it budget again and was almost seventy.
1: The budget was almost seventy for Planet Terror and. For both of them, yeah, but I, I don't oh, know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know which one would. I, I would say Planet Terror costs a lot more money yeah, to make. Though. Oh, yeah, but the effects in
2: that. I mean, they're. I mean, the, the effects in Planet Terror were hilarious. They were just gruesome, gross, and wonderful. I mean, the Planet Terror went over the top, and it went over the top into wow. That's what it should have been.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Death Proof didn't go far enough. It had the one really gruesome scene, but it didn't go far enough and and so again i I come back to the there was a lot of build up for not a lot of payoff. Can I talk about just one character the the cheerleader yeah Lee, okay yeah listen she is I, I I was watching this movie, and I'm thinking to myself, I have seen this young lady in multiple different films and i and I had to go and find her and you know where I saw her originally? she played in Sky High. That cheesy teenage superhero film... Where the the superhero high school is floating. Starring? Hundreds of feet elk. Oh, starring Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell. As, you know. Uh, he's like the, the, he's the
1: ultimate dad the, superhero. Yeah. Is, he, and he, is he also a teacher there as well? He's
2: not. He's no, not. he's not. He's just the uh, he's like, he's like just, the Mr. Fantastic character. Oh, okay. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, right. yeah
1: I, I've seen that movie once, but isn't he like dad at day superhero moonlighting something or other? Well, yeah, know. yeah. They're yeah. real estate agents. They're
2: moonlighting as real oh, estate agents. Yeah, 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 but yeah, right. they're superheroes during the day. But not only has she been in that, she's also, the same year that she did Death Proof, she was in the uh, Live Free or Die Hard with Bruce Willis. Not long after that, she was in Scott Pilgrim versus the World, a fun 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 film. Oh, she was we Ramona Flowers. Seen. She was Ramona Flowers. Oh, she was the love interest. She was and so much better than And let's not forget The
0: Thing remake.
2: The Thing then after just immediately yeah. after that, which was not a greatest thing, but it was a stretch for her to get be in that. But she has been in a lot She was in Amp- Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. She Mary played Tom Mary Lincoln. Todd Lincoln. She has been in a lot of interesting interesting films and yet her role in this it's, it's so ridiculous. And she's like bait not for this. Not yeah. interesting. Well, on the other. It's like a waste of talent. And, and again, yes, I get what it was going for. I totally get what he was trying to do. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you could have gotten that same effect and maybe used a whole slew of completely unknown beauties because these women were known. Most of them. They're known. Their faces. Not well known, but they're still faces. Rose McGowan, Rosario Dawson. This, uh, the what was her name? The the character played Lee, which I can't remember her actress name now. I'm completely
0: Mary from. Elizabeth Winstead. Yes, yes,
2: yeah, Winstead. They while they're not necessarily household names, they are faces that you would recognize. Now, if Tarantino had gone to the Steno pool, quote unquote pulled a bunch of really beautiful women, strong women, maybe not the best actresses, but put them into this position, that would have been more interesting to me because I wouldn't have been thinking about what they had been in previously.
1: That's a good point because, I mean, there were actresses way back when who were just known for being in B-movies, and that's what they did. So they were either in B-movies or they were nothing else, and to the public they were unknown, but then... I don't know with, with the actresses, actresses. The actresses here are kind of what you might call not be actresses, but they're just kind of in the mid-level They're not, you know, mainstream stars. I think they're definitely be actresses. I mean, I, I know Sidney Poitier's
0: dad and I know, you know, obviously Rosario Dawson, but other than Rose McGowan and Rosario Dawson and Rose was in Planet Terror. But other than those two, I had never seen their name before, but I realized a big part of it for me is the revenge aspect, which I, I guess I, it didn't really hit me until about five minutes ago that one of the reasons that I love Tarantino. You know, we were talking about Aliens a couple of weeks ago, and we sure. mentioned Paul Reiser's demise, and yep. me and Ben were both a little disappointed that we didn't get like more of an on-screen kill. That that bothered me, and and I really like the idea of you know uh, an antagonist comeuppance, let alone when. You know we've been following this antagonist for you know 113 minutes, and there couldn't be more closure or more of a redemption character than these strong women. And Lee Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is a very weak character, obviously she gets left back, and her friends leave her essentially to be raped, as like what they're implying. Well,
1: here's the thing, I and I know, but this I is, don't think she was going to. This is off the wall too. Well, uh, yeah, overall. Stuntman Mike gets what he deserves, but it's more like spur-of-the-moment vigilante justice that's delivered. So all the people that he's killed before, we don't know how long he has, even though he has for a while. It's not any of the characters from before. My out-there thought was, well, what if somebody had magically survived the first crash, like one of those women, and they come back, and they are with this group of women that ends up killing him. Mm -hmm. Just one of those, because I said I was all for this movie being more outrageous, over-the-top, incomprehensible, but... It's just kind of like they talk, action sequence one, action sequence two. Even though I will say I did like the final car chase. I think that was very well done.
0: I mm-hmm. did like the
1: fact that it was done old school, you know, no effects thrown in, just yeah. vehicle and vehicle. And oh, yeah. And that's, and that's a big it. part oh, of yeah. me. And there's that and scene
0: where where oh, the mixed girl, uh, who's the stunt driver mm-hmm. at the last part of the story. I forget what her name is. It was Kim. Yeah, it was Kim. But anyway, so there's a scene that she says, I'm going to tap that one more time, and then she rams him off of right. the ramp, and then the music kicks in. Right. And then they hit the street, and then it's like, okay, Matrix Revolutions and about 12 other movies <laughs> that have these like supposed car chases all of a sudden just got dwarfed. And this last chase scene lasts 22 minutes. Yeah. It and and this part. whole movie, it seems so much longer. And that might be to its disadvantage. That might be a negative. Because it is that
1: much longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost two hours. But, God, that chasing
2: I, I, analog okay, kick here. I'm not going to say that I didn't like watching the film. I, I'm not going to say that. I can't say that because I genuinely did like watching the film. Is it worthwhile watching? Yeah, Absolutely it is. It's totally worthwhile watching. If you want to if you want to see something that that's meant to be something that's older if you're interested in Tarantino in any way shape or form because I feel that the three of us we kind of go back and forth that Tarantino's great, Tarantino sucks, Tarantino's great, Tarantino sucks. We all know he's an arrogant son, son of a gun and we all know that he loves himself more than anybody else on the planet, but at least he's true to his style.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
2: I will give that to this film this is a tarantino film true to his style there's no doubt in my mind i see something like this with the blend of music with the blend of cinematography and with the blend of character types that are in this this is a tarantino film even if it's meant to be something that was looked like it was straight from the 70s
0: We've been doing this show for almost a year now and I think part of the dynamic that makes it work is that we have very distinct tastes. Sometimes our tastes overlap into Venn diagram sort of things and and sometimes they don't and that's okay and that's fine. I know when I read online that the jukebox in the first bar was were all hand-picked songs from Tarantino. Like, you watch that, and you see all of the... the well, Like, yeah. the camera, like, scroll down. I'm thinking, like, I'm sure that he spent months, like, coming up with those individual songs. And yet, and and that's, yet it was a two-second or... Two
2: Three-second scene where you're, you, don't, you don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. You don't notice it. And those little things are great. I'm glad he spends the type of time doing that sort of thing. I'm glad because his movies are interesting from that aspect because there is depth as far as that goes. What this film lacks is depth of character. What this film lacks – and it might be meant to be that way, so don't crucify me for having this thought – it might actually be meant to not give a backstory. I'm sorry, I'd like a little more backstory. I'd like to know these girls a little more so that I care about the fact that they get torn to shreds by this psycho in a in a car that's you know meant to kill. I would like to know more about the girls at the end of the story. I want to know more and You could have done that in very simple ways.
1: Like follow slasher conventions and let's just say Mike gives the same treatment to most of that group of women, but just like what he did to Pam, he isolates them one by one, you know, or in twos or drags it out so you get to know them a little bit. But, you know, they're like, oh, hey, we're a so-and-so. You know, there are so many ways it could be done, but then there's just this long period of talking and them being together, but you don't really learn much about them. So it's this... Contradiction where you spend a lot of time with the characters, but you don't really grow much fondness for them. I really didn't have much negative feeling toward them. I mean, they were to me they, they reached a point where they're kind of annoying. They are also drunk, but you know that happens. Well, yeah,
0: I th- and I think that's a big point of it too. I think that he probably thought if I give more dialogue, it's gonna uh, convey more emotional ties. And you're going to be more sympathetic to these characters, which works for some, doesn't work for others. I really like the diner scene. The first group of girls, the music was better. I mean, the first 40 minutes of the movie, the, the soundtrack was flawless. But I feel like that's why I like the first group of girls' stories is because mm. I'm kind of sucked in by the soundtrack. Most and of- the scene where uh, Sidney Potier is at the jukebox and they're playing Baby It's You and she's flipping her hair around. But the last group of girls, they have that diner scene, and I think that that diner scene is so telling of those characters. You find out about, you know, Zoe having that prowess, right, right. but also being kind of dumb because you didn't fall in that ditch. Zoe did, right? You know, and you and you get more of a, a backstory on these characters, and I think maybe maybe he had more time to, uh, you know. Uh, write that dialogue. Maybe there was just more time for that exposition. But I think that the 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 two groups of girls, it was not very well balanced as far as uh, you know your backstory and your emotional ties, and and the the first group not even close to as as attached as the second group. No, but it's a twenty five yeah. minute chase No, too. of course,
2: yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And and back to back to your discussion of the the soundtrack. Um, Tarantino is a master of using music to enhance his films. I love Tarantino's soundtracks. I think that he the way he blends the the old with his projects stuff you just never have heard before or you might have heard once or twice in your life and then out of nowhere, it becomes almost a character in his films yeah uh, and and it and it's it i don't i won't say it is as much a character in this film as it was in kill bill or in pulp fiction or even reservoir dogs but again it becomes a part of the storytelling of the film and and that in and of itself for him i again i got to give him kudos for because it it's not he's using music that's already written in a new and unusual way So he's not creating the music like a John Williams or a James Horner or anybody like that who's putting it to the film and using it to move the story. But he's using stuff that is already out there to move the story along and help tell the story in a way that's going to make it more interesting and, and frankly, more approachable for most people. Mm -hmm. And and I I can't fault him for that. I can't. Again, though, coming back to to Death Proof, it it just there there wasn't enough of that story for those characters to, to make it truly interesting for me. It was straight-up a bubblegum film, which maybe that's what it was meant to be, but it was a straight-up, zero-depth bubblegum film, fun to watch. I probably won't watch it again because it didn't grab me. It, it didn't yeah. have those interesting moments that, that really hold me to the film. So.
0: It seemed like maybe every 15 minutes or every 20 minutes there was a scene or an image or a conversation that, like, drew you back. You know, I think that I'm kind of a biased sucker for imagery. And that scene when they're on the bar patio and it's pouring down rain and they're smoking pot. That was When they have their first introduction with, you know, Stuntman Mike. They have these, you know, certain scenes where maybe you start, like, fading out thinking that it's boring. And then you have these, like... Come to scenes, but I, I can totally appreciate that you know they might have these great scenes, but it doesn't keep you. It's not consistent. No, with it was the very, it's, and, it's and it could those, have been a really great seventy-minute
1: movie. It's one of those deals where you know you have all these dots, you know, these dots are the elements, but they're not really connected so much. You know, you have all these elements that aren't really connected. Um, you have characters who talk a lot, but you're not close to. And if you do want uh, those characters to live, okay, so what do you want to know about them? Even if you want the characters to die, I mean, it's just, to me it was almost like a no-win situation for me as a viewer because I was just sitting there listening to them talk and I kind of wanted Stuntman Mike to have more screen time because I'm a big Kurt Russell fan Mm -hmm. and I thought he was the most interesting character. I thought, okay, here's this guy with this awesome car and the awesome car is just, you know in the wings waiting and continues to wait in the wings until the end. Maybe that's, I, I don't know if it's just a, an issue with editing. It could have been edited better, cut down. We've already talked about that. But, you know, if, if they had really gone in and cut that, you know, probably even shorter than what it was in, in Grindhouse, which I i didn't see this film with the double bill. I saw this film as a standalone. So mm-hmm. maybe going back and watching that, maybe it would, you know, reveal something different to me as a viewer. Well, Mm -hmm.
2: the double bill bill was was interesting because as a as a combination, you did get a little more sense of continuity between the two films because, well, maybe not the stories so much, but the feeling, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The 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 atmosphere, if you will. And and between the two films, it's over three hours long. It's like three hours and 11 minutes or something like that. I think I read on uh, online and it Planet Terror moved so much quicker in my mind. Planet Terror move was just a more compelling, more interesting, more 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 riveting tale, and and the characters were more interesting. El El Ray, the
1: Cherry Darling, yeah, Cherry Darling, the Barbecue the, Chef. Yeah,
2: I mean, all of yeah. them just had a much. They 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 were instantly more recognizable as as b movie characters, mm-hmm. because you didn't even need to know their backstory, you knew who they were based on what they were you know i think
0: I think that's a really interesting distinction too, because uh you know, in the seventies and eighties when these like grindhouse films were put out, there was a lot of thought and effort into like marketing these films, and the second film in a double feature was very specifically. You know, there was a
1: reason why it was the second,
2: second film. Uh, it's like the B-side of Grindhouse, album, yeah.
1: Grindhouse is really, really old, too. Um, it started in, what, like the 30s? I, no, it wasn't, I don't sure think it was the 30s. It I think it was, was, think like it was the 30s, th- as old as the 30s, because they just had these films that they put in these theaters, and they'd run them back-to-back back and almost all day long. I think I read, too, that as the day went on, they would increase the rate of the film, like how much it would cost to get in.
2: Oh, really? Yeah, at some so, of the theaters. Oh wow, that's interesting and a lot dishonest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know what though, you know, it would, I wouldn't be surprised if movie companies did do that because quite frankly, that that makes perfect sense to me, you know? If you're going to come earlier, well, it's no it, it's no different than what a restaurant does. You have early bird specials at restaurants and you know, you go in, you get the same basic food in an early bird you know, special at a restaurant, you'd go to a, go to a, a, a movie. Now you can get a matinee price for a movie versus the full ticket price. And again, it, it, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that they still do that, it, it, that it was originally started that way, but people work during the day, you know, people work and can't go to the movie. So if you're going out during the day, you probably don't work. Or if you do work, you're not doing something where you're making a lot of money at that point. And so you're probably not going to be able to pay as much. And so what happens? You pay a little less. As it goes on, you pay a little more. And and there it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. I think
0: in in the end, this is probably a um, not really, I guess, a movie that you would feel lukewarm about. I mean, if somebody stumbled upon Death Proof and they watched the first two minutes and they're like, oh, well, it said Thunderbolt. Well, now it says Death Proof. Well, it's all cut up weird. I don't know why it does this. <laughs> They were doing a lap dance, and now all of a sudden they're in the parking lot. Right. right. You know, it it it, just it it doesn't make you any any less of a movie watcher. It's just not what you're into. You know, it's like yeah. the fun footage stuff we were talking about. But right. Um, I love it. I'm a big I'm a I'm a big fan. There's definitely some I mean some problems with it that we could go way more in depth with. Um, and especially I don't if know. we I compared think we touched it to on the big yeah, problems. I think I mean I
1: think we hit the big problems. <laughs> I think we hit the big ones because, um. Well, that's the thing, too. I was thinking to myself before we did this episode, even though there is a decent amount of movie in the running time, there's not a ton of stuff to just dive into deeply. But then again, that's, you know, the whole atmosphere of the film. It's not supposed to be. be. It's it's almost like the uh, mirror version of Captain America 2 where, yeah, you can talk about this scene was awesome. Oh, that was cool. You know, but. It's not meant to be something that's highly intellectual. Yeah. It's not meant to really challenge you. You're you're supposed to watch it and say, oh, you know, ideally, I liked this film, even though I I personally didn't. That's another thing. I mean, I can actually credit – excuse me, credit – Tarantino for sticking to his guns and just making the movie he wanted to make because all the filmmakers who were making these films way back when that's all they had right they had their they had, they had their ideas and like $500 if not and that two
0: good-looking cars and they're like let's just <laughs> yeah. do some chase scenes let's do
1: some chase just scenes just strap me to the hood and, of a car and we'll write we'll write a film around these chase scenes and you know if it makes sense Awesome. If it doesn't, well, we have uh, half a day to edit this thing. That's kind of
0: like the best synopsis for this film, really.
1: (laughs) Truly. So,
0: oh, go ahead. Sorry. I
1: I was just going to say, I wasn't sure if it was um, Death Proof. I think it was just Death Proof, but for a Hollywood film, it seemed they wrapped this up pretty quickly. I think it was done in like three months. Mm -hmm. Or they just filmed, they used three months to film, which is pretty short. Yeah. Stu,
0: do you have any words on uh, Death Proof?
2: No.
1: That we
0: haven't uh, touched on? No. All right. Well, I appreciate your uh, enthusiasm.
2: No, I. Uh, I'm
0: just...
2: No, truly, I, I. I've said. I know you're staring at
0: the clock. I. I no, understand. no, I'm not
2: staring at the Duh. clock. I, I. I've said what I wanted to say, and and quite frankly, I. I don't. I don't hate the film. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. I, I. I won't go out of my way to watch it again. But you know what? If I'm laying on the couch and it pops onto the television and I can't reach the remote, I won't go out of my way to change it though either, because it's it's entertaining enough to hold. My attention, but not entertaining enough for me to go out of my way to watch it again.
0: But would you go out of your way if you found somebody that was kind of cute, kind of hot, kind of sexy, hysterically funny but not funny looking guy that you could do a podcast with? Guy? No. Girl? Sure. Oh, okay. Well, now I feel like we're getting into general
1: stereotypes. I feel what I feel what. Death Proof really needed was a woman with a machine gun for a leg. Yeah, really feel that. Of yeah. Speaking been, of... If one of them had been given a machine gun for a leg, or if all of them had machine guns for, for legs, legs, that would have been awesome. That would have been, yeah. Would but have been two awesome.
0: machine guns for both legs, that doesn't work. Well, it's hard to walk at that point. It's hard to walk. Yeah, it's hard to walk. So, speaking of nothing that has anything to do with that, Ben, what's your
1: movie next week? <laughs> well, I think that, you know, movie show theater... Has been around an eight or a nine at some points. Sometimes even at a six. But I think sometimes you just have to smell the glove and turn it up to eleven.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but oh, this, no. is spinal
1: tap. Oh no! <laughs> this is indeed spinal tap. Well, and, I, I, usually we usually we do the reasons uh, for picking our movies. You uh, you know uh, during the episode, but the uh, the short synopsis uh, is, is that. We really haven't done a comedy, have we? No. We haven't not really done a comedy. I mean, we've
0: touched on, we've touched like, on fun yeah. and. Yeah, yeah, some little no. stuff, but. I, no,
2: that's I a wouldn't great idea. I wouldn't call Spinal Tap a comedy.
1: It's a Mikey Memory, but it's still a comedic movie. Oh, yeah, really?
0: I, but I funny would funny call moments. it a, 100% a comedy. Oh, well, what would you know. call it? I think we're
2: going to I think we're gonna have to. All come right, come to save it. Next time. Save it.
0: But anyway, until next Tuesday,
1: I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden. And this has been Movie, Show, Theater.
2: Thank you